statement I made uh, recently when I said, in error, uh, that the United States purchased Alaska from the grizzly bears for 50 pounds of salmon. Uh, th that is unexpectedly false. Uh, I don't know how that got by us. Um, Alaska was actually purchased from the Russian Empire in 1867, although it didn't become a state uh, until 1959. Alaska is, and this is true, both the largest and least densely populated state in the Union. It is not, however, a wasteland devoid of morality where the boundaries between human and moose are blurry at best and in many cases altogether non-existent. That's not something I said on the air, it's just something I believed in my heart. <laughs> John it's Oliver. amusing. He's quite the wordsmith, that little fella. New York Post editorial over the weekend... <laughs> Trump needs to quit the pardon talk yesterday. Paul Manafort doesn't remotely deserve a pardon, and President Trump and Rudy Giuliani are treading extremely dangerous ground and floating the idea publicly. That's from the New York Post, which normally backs Trump. Yes. Yeah, well, I haven't heard anybody <laughs> saying, yeah, Manafort deserves a pass. I have not heard a single human say that. Right. Yeah, that'd be a hell of a deal, wouldn't it? You know, I, I got a quick Trumpian note. Then I really need to get on to um, the dangers of uh, the mega colon syndrome and how you really need to go to the doctor Oof. before it, uh, well, the end, because it ends badly. How are people reacting to my too small shirt online, Hanson? People bringing the hate? I was hoping for a lot of hate. I uh, accidentally a shirt, bought a shirt that was a size too small. I've seen tighter. Oh, really? Yeah. Who's wearing a shirt tighter than this? They should not. Well, you like should not 23 wear 23-year-old Italian men with 4% body fat. You shouldn't wear a skin-tight shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's Again, embarrassing. It's, there are, I've seen tighter. It's very tight in the arms, and I can tell it's tight in the pits. Oh, it's and tight if everywhere. Your arms, if, you're, if your shirt is too tight in the armpits, you can't be happy, no matter what happens. You win a lottery, you get laid, whatever. If your shirt is tight in the pits, you're an unhappy person. It's a little tight in the bosom area. <laughs> so, uh, very quickly, a uh, quick political note. Uh, recent Fox News poll, 41% of Republicans said they had a favorable opinion of one John McCain. 41%, while 60% of Democrats shared that view. That's pretty interesting. I think it's really revealing, but not for the reasons that uh, you know various news outlets are, are sharing with you. Trump's approval is close to 90% among Republicans. And McCain's was 40. Uh, correct, 41, yeah. So, uh, and what's the reasons you... you, you well, I think what's missing from this is, and I had a discussion with a, a very nice and sure, interesting person over the weekend about politics, and I explained Sebastian Younger's book Tribe to her in, in some detail. The reason Trump's approval is close to 90% is because he's under constant savage attack. Well, I get that one. Yeah, no, and, I, and, I understand. And I mean, I might, I might be mad at my brother. We had a falling out. I, I thought he was rude to my wife, et cetera, et cetera. But if the neighbor tries to shoot him, I'm going to jump on his side. And that's, that's an underappreciated aspect of politics, particularly these days, is everybody's so savagely aggressive. If you sat Republicans down... And you said, look, I'm on your side. I'm no Nancy Pelosi fan, blah, blah, blah. I'm a conservative. I want smaller government, blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera. Boy, that Trump, he's something, isn't he? You'd get a much more honest and nuanced answer. You wouldn't get 90% quote-unquote approval, whatever that means. But why is McCain in the 40s with Republicans and 60s with Democrats I think part of it a is Republican. that he's been uh, attacking Trump so savagely. I think his natural approval rating might be, I don't know, 80%. 
Well, he's lost about half among Republicans. Because his, and I read some of his quotes about Trump. He might be the king of saying really savage stuff about Donald J. Trump. Was the king. So, yeah, I think, you know, any approval rating that you hear these days has to be viewed in the context of uh, just the savagery of the attacks going on constantly. A lot of our negative texts about McCain have all been about his uh, no vote on Obamacare, which McCain says was about the way the Senate works more than it was about the Obamacare particulars. Um, but people aren't buying well, can, that or don't care can, about that. Right. I can forgive people for not being super into that. Anyway. Explosive case of poop-packed megacolon prompts warning from doctors. Doctors are straining to man. I think that may be a intentional wording there. Doctors are straining to manage such bowel cases, but earlier interventions could be the key. 24-year-old UK man underwent surgery when they discovered that his severely enlarged colon filled with feces had burst. Ooh. Severe uh, abdominal pain. That can happen. The condition known as megacolon or megarectum. That's my heavy metal band. I ain't going. We wear pants, but got I've no high net on them. I've seen your logo. I'm yeah. not going. Well, I'm not yeah. wearing one of your hats. Those are chaps, Joe. We actually wear. have a, <laughs> we have guitars made to look like... Well, yeah. anyway... Um, Poorly understood elements marked by enlarged entrails that aren't caused by physical blockage, uh, et cetera, et cetera. What causes this to happen? Too much cheese? Well, it, no, it can be a genetic, et cetera. Mm. Um, typically, the diameter of a healthy adult's rectum is in the range of five to six centimeters or so. I don't need to know that. <laughs> not information I can use. Yeah, this is really... For anything. This is not useful at all. Unlikely to even come up on Trivia Pursuit. But uh, if you do have a history of constipation, go see your doctor is the point. Very important. His, uh, his stomach was bloated, tender, and admitting quiet bowel sounds, the doctors noted, which is actually an option on my new white noise app. <laughs> Quiet bowel sounds. Yeah. Yeah, Sent him home with plan to use laxatives and enemas, but turned out to be too little too late. Sounds like a heck of a weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you. Uh, We got a guest coming up to talk about it. A judge uh, tossed one of Trump's things, so I got attention. It was the effort to rein in federal employees who can never be fired. So we'll, we'll get into that coming up. One thing on John McCain for me. I'm not... As angry, I'm not angry about him for the whole Obamacare vote. I get what he was trying to do. He, he feels like, felt like the Senate had gotten completely off track from the way it was before, and now you try to push legislation through one party, and that will never work. Okay, I get that. The one thing where I think it would have been awful he ha- had he won and ended up president, because as it became more clear, is he believed we should get involved in every dang place in the world and send American troops there and try to fix their country. Yeah. He honestly believed that to his core, and I think that would have been awful. It's funny. Just I've, awful. I've known combat veterans who are of the uh, more Mike lyons uh, point of view that they, and I've known quite a few examples of this, who say, I know what war is. I'm not going to throw boys into some half-assed, you know, semi-coherent foreign policy to face what I faced. You know, it's easy for civilians to say, to war, but not for the fellas. No way. And I've also known guys who've known combat 
who seem like John McCain to be awfully enthusiastic yeah. about launching various uh, projects and missions. That's one of the interesting things about the liberal media just fawning over John McCain and his death is if he were president, I think we'd have tens of thousands of troops in Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan, maybe Yemen, yeah, Libya. He, he was bushier than Bush. Oh, gosh. In terms of intervention. Yeah. So, which, well, I think a lot of the fawning by the mainstream media is naked effing hypocrisy. Because he was critical of Trump, and they forget that they're harshly critical of him for many, many years on many, many topics. But that's, you know, the state of America's media. Mm. That might be my final McCain word. Unless we get texts at 415-295-KFTC. Or unless the governor appoints his wife, as far as I know, has absolutely zero. I mean, she'd be a figurehead, and the chief of staff would run the office. All right, fine. Seems like a good way to lose the next election, doesn't it? Maybe. I don't know. I think it's, it's maybe they do that because it's such a clear placeholder move. It's such an obvious nothing. Okay. That so they you can, can reset and so figure you can out what have to an do. election. Right, yeah. Okay. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. We put. We might even be able to get to this this segment if we cut our uh, next thing short. Um, how bogus eco-friendly products trick you. Oh. Which I really like this sort of stuff. Okay. All right. I'm, 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 it's easy for me to buy something that's a certain color and got a certain word in it and think I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, though, for those of us who think the federal government might be a tad bloated, uh, an interesting development in the Trump administration's efforts to rein in Public employee unions. Lisa Ryan joins us from the Washington Post. Lisa reports on the federal federal government, uh, which is an appropriate thing in D.C. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm well. Thanks for having me. Excellent. It's our it's our pleasure. So, um, if you could explain to us briefly what the what the Trump administration was doing and, and what the federal judge said about it. Sure. So in May, just before Memorial Day weekend, the administration issued three what are called executive orders, which means that, you know, the president can issue them uh, in the absence of action in Congress on whatever the issue is. And these orders um, took aim at the unions that represent federal employees, as well as at the, you know, what many people consider to be a very slow disciplinary process for federal employees who, who sort of screw up or who, who are poor performers. so One might uh, orders... be tempted to, to point to the VA at this point in the discussion in particular, but go on. Yeah, there have been problems with the VA for sure. Um, so two of the orders dealt with uh, directly with unions. One uh, with the bargaining process for, you know, collective bargaining, bargaining for contracts, and it basically said, look, the uh, federal agencies have a right to uh, to shorten the bargaining process if they feel that you know unions are being sluggish um, in, uh, in 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 bargaining, and it also said that um, that it limit this order limited the the workplace issues that could be bargained over. That was one. The second one had to do with a real real bugaboo for Republicans, um, and. And it has to do with what's called official time, which is on-duty time that union representatives spend, uh, you know, on their jobs, uh, helping employees, um, you know, fight grievances, fight, you know, what are what they consider arbitrary actions, discipline against employees. So just just so we understand. So, like, if I'm 
Uh, I'm a clerk level three, but I'm also the union rep. I can spend a certain amount of work time doing union stuff. Exactly. Okay. And it ranges, it ranges from, you know, 100% down to maybe 30, 40, 50%. And wow. this has been, uh, yeah, this has gone on for many, many years. It's a provision of the Civil Service uh, Act of 1978 that Congress passed. Uh, it's all legal. Um, and, uh, but it's been a very big bugaboo for conservatives uh, who call this, you know, taxpayer-funded union time. Anyway, the third order, which I'll get to, uh, it, it was one in, involving employee discipline. And it basically said to, uh, to man- managers at federal agencies, listen, uh, we want to give you the right, you, you should really speed up the disciplinary process when you feel an employee is a poor performer uh, or has committed some form of misconduct. And it essentially, you know, took away a lot of the lengthy due process that federal employees are now entitled to. Well, it's beyond, so that, but, you know, it seems to me it's beyond due process into it's, it's stopping anything from happening. Right. So all of this stuff not only seems reasonable, but wonderful from our particular political point of view. But what did the judge say about it? <laughs> okay. So those were the orders. So immediately, uh, about a dozen federal employee unions led by the American Federation of Government Employees, which is the largest and represents 750,000 civil servants, filed suit. And their argument was that the president had exceeded his authority in imposing these executive orders because Congress, back in 1978, which is the last time the civil service law has really changed, uh, it basically gave uh, federal employees the right to be represented by unions and the right to collective bargaining uh, over their working conditions. Of course, pay is set by Congress for federal employees in the GS system, but they still the unions still represent employees and they have a lot of power over the workplace. So the union sued. And um, what happened was that the federal judge in the District of Columbia ruled uh, early Saturday morning that the key... Um, elements of these three executive orders uh, were, were invalid, and she, what is called, enjoined the administration from imposing them. Arguing essentially, so as, as I understand from your story, that it was, uh, you can't directly contradict a statute passed by Congress, and it was executive overreach. Would that be a fair uh, summary? That's, that is the gist of, uh, okay. of what she said. Right. Although she did, she did uphold some provisions of the orders, uh, and the key ones that she upheld um, had to do with, uh, you know, discipline for federal employees. She said, you know, that's not really in the statute, and if an agency finds that it does want to shorten the disciplinary process, it, it has the right, you know, to do that. Uh, and the other provision... Um, had to do with bargaining if 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 the managers at an agency feel that the union is not bargaining in good faith and of course that's you know always a subject of of dispute between the two parties but mm-hmm. uh that the union can can literally unilaterally Im- impose a contract lisa, now, uh, lisa i'm sorry to jump in we are really up against a break so with apologies sure. thank you a million for the report lisa ryan federal government reporter for the washington post really informative thanks Thank you. Good to talk to you. So, okay, fair enough, because I'm against executive overreach, too. Um, Here's your key fact. Congress hasn't taken a look at the federal workforce laws, essentially, for 40 years. God, you'd think there'd be political will, at least on the right, to try to make it easier to get rid of people. Oh, my God. In the wake of the VA thing, Congress didn't act? In the wake of the VA thing in a significant way? I mean, I agree with what the president was doing. 
point by point. I love it. But if it goes against the statute as passed, I don't like executive. Sure. I don't want a fiefdom. I don't want a kingdom. Wow, that's extraordinary. He was doing the same thing Obama did with a variety of things. Congress is supposed to deal with this, but they haven't, so yeah. I guess Washington I will. sucks. Yes, it does. God, you people are putting your hopes and dreams in the beltway. Wake up! Well, there's a quote from McCain. We've got a clip of him talking about how the Senate is, is, is doesn't work anymore. It doesn't do anything. Mm. Um, it doesn't do any of the things it's supposed to do. And that was his mission late in his life, was to restore regular order to the Senate, which is not a great headline grabber. What does it mean when you buy some meat? 68% of people have an idea of what it means. If you buy some meat and it's labeled natural, what does the term natural mean? Mm. I'm guessing like no antibiotics and stuff. That's what 68% of people assume. It doesn't mean anything. Mm. It means you decided to put the word natural on your package. Mm, And a fine decision it was. I got the word natural on my package. Is that what that tattoo was? Yes. <laughs> well, it's all scrunched together. It's hard to read. Oh, boy. Um, Man, I was trying to pick out dinner for my, my mom and, and Judy and me and, and, and her caregiver, Kathy. And, uh, so I go to the, the butcher shop in the grocery store. The guy says, I tell you what, we got this half price and this half price. And he's showing me meat that's gone gray <laughs> and starting to get a little green. And I'm thinking, now, wait a second. Number one, I didn't ask you. And number two, do I like, realize I'm a bit casually dressed? Do I look like gotta buy gray meat guy? <laughs> Apparently you do. I you actually might, do pretty well, sir. You, Show me to your new meat. You might want to take a look at yourself from an appearance standpoint. <laughs> if when you go to the grocery store, they're trying to sell you weak old meat because yeah. they think that's kind of your wheelhouse. Your section's over here with the gray meat. <laughs> This stuff, is, want the beef. this stuff has got to be sold today, probably yesterday, honestly. <laughs> you might want to take a look at this. Oh, sir, I, I know what a guy like you needs. I can help you out with this gray meat. <laughs> You're Listen, just here's, some, you... here's some that fell on the floor and we stepped on, but we'll give it to you cheap. You're just going to get upset if you walk by the fresh meat. Let me walk you directly <laughs> over to the gray meat section. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. Meat, Dude. don't do it. I don't want any gray meat. I don't want cheap meat. I just should get, get, where are your lobsters? Where are your lobsters? Throw ten of them in there for me. <laughs> That's very funny, sir. Here's the gray meat. <laughs> Let me show you some some lobsters that died last week. Get, we, we wrung out some washcloths into these soup cans if you'd like some soup as well. Get you a gallon of expired milk and you can be on your way. It's on me. <laughs> Poor son of a bitch. <laughs> And as you walk away, he's saying, there but for the grace of God. (laughs) Note to self, buy new t-shirts. What's coming up your news, Marshall? Well, Trump's big step towards replacing NAFTA, Tesla's CEO Elon Musk's about face, and Tough Times at Burning Man, the annual art and innovation party in the middle of the desert. Coming up. Art and innovation, is that what that is? Orgies with dirty people, that's what I've read. (laughs) Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Hey, we're really excited. Ah, boy, I haven't heard this with the press yelling at the president. So let's get to the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, President Trump says the U.S. and Mexico have reached a new trade deal. The two sides working to renegotiate NAFTA, which Trump... Muy bueno, Marshall. 
which Trump has called disastrous for the U.S. He had a speakerphone call with Mexico's uh, president. Reporters all gathered around the president uh, announcing uh, the deal, saying a lot of people, a lot of skeptics thought it could never be done. You remember at the beginning, many people thought that uh, this was something that just couldn't happen because of all of the different factions, all of the different sides, and the complexity. And we made it uh, much simpler, much better, much better for both countries. Uh, Canada will start negotiations uh, shortly. I'll be uh, calling the prime minister very soon. Now, Trump also went on to say the NAFTA name's going to be scrapped. I like to call this deal the United States-Mexico Trade Agreement. I think it's an elegant name. I think NAFTA has a lot of bad connotations for the United States because it was a ripoff. It was a deal that was a horrible deal for our country. USMTA? Usmata? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yes. Anyway, trap, uh, Trump this morning wrapping Maybe it up. Maybe just an umta? You don't do the umta? U.S.? Okay. Umta. Tra- Trump wrapping it up. No, you re- can't leave out the yes. It's an idiotic suggestion, Sean. <laughs> okay, we'll go with Asmta. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Trump wrapping it up with reporters who wound up shouting questions at him about John McCain. Thank you very much, everybody. Mr. President, any thoughts on John McCain? Mr. President, any thoughts on John McCain, sir? Right this way. Everyone's moving. Thanks, everybody. Listen to that, because a trade agreement with one of our biggest trading partners, that's not news. What would be news is, say something mean about a guy! A dead guy! And then we can talk all day long about how awful you are, because you said something mean about a dead guy. Because that's what passes for journalism. Clickbait? Can you give us some clickbait? That's all they're asking for. The clickbait? I'd like some clickbait, How difficult are the negotiations with Canada going to be? No, no. Say something mean about the dead war hero! That is so weak. Yeah, well, that's where we are. That's yeah. where we are. That's what people want to pay attention to. Well, rewind. Let me play this again. Thank you very much, everybody. Mr. President, any thoughts on John McCain? Mr. President, any thoughts on John McCain, sir? Right this way. Everyone's moving. Thanks, everybody. All right, listen. I love and value womankind. Okay, here we go. I would willingly vote for a woman for president. I've advocated Nikki Haley for president, for instance. Women in every facet of America, every walk of life, given every authority and respect that they so richly deserve. But I'm here to tell you, a woman yelling is way harder to take than a man yelling. Yeah, that woman's it's voice. A question. Well, it was two of them combining in roughly that, that same pitch. It's awful. You got women's play-by-play people in sports. You can't take them. It's not sexism. It's pitch. It's just pitch. Yes. 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 Right. The the voice rises and the intensity is... Can can you just play a little bit of it again? It's like the view. Who can watch that crap? You got five hands over each other. Oh, so, Lord. So the guy's the loudest, but the one that's getting on my nerves is the female voice in the here, background. Here we go. One more time. <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. Thanks, Mr. everybody. Mr. President, any thoughts on John McCain? Mr. President, any thoughts on John McCain? Oh, it's not a fault. It's just no, a, it's no. a pitch thing. No, indeed. Mm. I don't want to see men uh, modeling lingerie. So there are, you know, strengths and weaknesses on both sides. <laughs> I'm not sure that was the best example. Well, no. Probably not. When you're in a hole, stop digging. <laughs>
All right, shifting gears. As Jack mentioned earlier, one thing John McCain was really pushing for was trying to get everybody to work together some to get some things done. And McCain famously lectured his colleagues not that long ago. We've been spinning our wheels on too many important issues because we keep trying to find a way to win without help from across the aisle. That's an approach that's been employed by both sides, mandating legislation from the top down without any support from the other side, with all the parliamentary maneuvers that requires. We're getting nothing done, my friends. We're getting nothing done. That's why he voted against the Obamacare fix. Now, maybe you think that was an empty gesture and a bad move in the overall thing. I don't know, but that's 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 what that was all about. We got this text. I started listening to your show because you guys seem to hold the intellectual middle ground. I still appreciate your viewpoint, but banging on John McCain before he's even buried feels a little Trumpian. What? Well, I mentioned if he was president, we'd be at war all over the world. And so that's a negative, I suppose. I guess you're not supposed to say anything negative. Oh, then we got people about. screeching at us for not being negative enough. I'll tell you one thing is I can't come up with an yeah. example where I think John McCain was a phony. And any times he was briefly a phony, he called himself out on it shortly thereafter. He was not phony, which is one of the ways you end up with so many uh, Republicans saying mean things about you when you die, I guess. Um, I don't know. So did Nancy Pelosi actually say they're going to rename the Senate building or just suggested it? Well, Schumer did. Chuck Schumer is Schumer the one did. who wants Nancy to do it. Nancy ought to mind her own damn business. Yeah. She's Nancy, in the House. Yeah, the we lower got, House. We have a quote from her talking about it. That's why I wonder. So are they going to do that, or is yeah. that just being thrown out That's there? being thrown out okay. there. I mean, there's a push on it. Nancy Pelosi's basically saying, oh, it would be a great honor, a fitting honor to name the building after McCain. Okay. So anyway, that's uh, that's one of the moves going on in, uh, in the uh, Senate. Well, it's currently the Russell office building. Correct. Right. Named after Jane Russell and Russell Brand, I believe. Um, uh, I don't know who it's named after. Is it named after some unforgivable racist or something like that? That would make it easy. No, but it's just somebody nobody remembers. He right. comes up a lot in those uh, LBJ books that I've been reading. He is a towering figure back in the day, but uh. doesn't mean anything to anybody anymore. So mm. I don't know. Do you hang on to the name just for the hell of it? That's yeah, nice to hold on to history. Can we uh, build something new for McCain? Or, I don't know. Uh, name the cafeteria after him? Or, <laughs> I don't know. It's just an idea. Meanwhile, the annual Burning Man Festival is up and running out in the Nevada desert, but the weather was not so helpful over the weekend. Large dust storms reduced the visibility and forced organizers to stop letting people in until the winds died down. If I'm naked at Burning Man, I want reduced visibility. (laughs) Zero would be good. (laughs) The entrance is back open, but for thousands outside, it was an estimated 10-hour wait to get inside Uh, the temporary city. I ain't waiting 10 hours for nothing. Of course, you're probably in a camper with all your buddies and whatever your substances of choice are. 10 hours is a long time. Festival, as you know, draws people from all over the world for artistic self-expression. Exactly. How the hell have they not streamlined that a little better? Ten hours. Wow. Well, because when it got big enough and well-known enough, the authorities decided to crack down and do all sorts of searches and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. And to check your your, your uh, micro van there for uh, drugs. So you and can't such, have Johnny. a bunch of people meet out in the middle of the desert and do whatever they want to do, and nobody got you know kidnapped and taken there. You all went of your own free will. No, you can't have that. Can't no. do that. People might break laws. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. City laws, not desert laws. We got one law out here in the desert. That's uh, I don't know. Watch out for the cactuses. <laughs> one law. 
Hey, by the way, I was talking to uh, some friends of mine uh, from all around the West, and it turns out Squawky has a lot of fans. Oh, yeah. They're, they the, really are into Squawky. Squawky the bald eagle. Yeah. Symbolizes freedom by exactly. being chained in the studio. Exactly. Uh, does Squawky have a Twitter account yet? Ooh. So. Yeah, oh, he's, yeah, he's yeah. almost got to. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Very good. A uh, comedic turn from John McCain, who appeared on Saturday Night Live a number of times, coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. During more than 20 years representing Arizona in both the House and Senate, I have not once sought to bring pork barrel spending back to my state, not even highway funds. When I entered the Senate in 1987, Arizona had 47,000 miles of paved roadway. Today, it's less than 900. (laughs) John McCain on Saturday Night Live. Where did that go from there? I think he hosted once uh, when he was running for president. Back when he was the Maverick. Mm -hmm. Huh. That's a funny funny joke. (laughs) Oh, I remembered the other thing that I admired about McCain. So uh, now I can't remember the first one that I mentioned. Mm. Oh, no, the whole... uh, Forgiving his captors. I've always thought that was an interesting point of view on that and probably a good idea. And uh, feel free to text why that's a reason to hate him. (laughs) 415-295-KFTZ. The other one that I liked, and it keeps flitting out of my mind. That's weird. Mm. I might want to get a brain scan of some sort. Oh, the uh, Maverick thing. Um, A lot of uh, people talk a lot of books have been written when he was... uh, when he was a cadet at the Naval Academy and how, what a rebel he was. Oh, yeah. And I heard him say many times throughout his career, a rebel without a cause, you're, you're not a rebel. You're just a jerk or a punk. Mm. If you're just breaking rules or doing things you're not supposed to just to not follow the rules. He said being a rebel is, um, or a maverick is doing things outside the norm or against the rules because you're trying to make a point or change something for the better. Right. But just not following rules is nothing to admire, mm-hmm. which I appreciated him saying. Last in his class, famously, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so. At the, the Naval Academy? As the son of an admiral. But the admiral was and a little stressed And the grandson of an admiral. Oh, that's right. So his dad and his grandfather with the same name were both admirals. I'll bet he was acting out about, uh, it was kind of always assumed that he would do it and... I've, I've dealt with enough young people. That, I, I appreciate him saying that just, you know, being a smart ass is not anything to oh yeah. be excited about. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. And the media called him a maverick anytime he'd go against the Republicans. Right. So, you know, of course, they were really or a excited dangerous about that. radical every time he'd, you know, go with the <laughs> yeah, Republicans. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, listen, we, we said we were going to talk about this. We don't have a lot of time, but... This is an article written uh, by a 17-year-old lad. It took me around 10 minutes to crash a simulation of the upcoming midterm elections. Once I accessed the shockingly simple and vulnerable set of tables that make up the state election board's database, I was able to shut down the public-facing website that would tally the votes, throwing their count into confusion. The data were lost completely. 
Just like that, tens of thousands of votes were up for potential debate, muddying an electoral system already prone to confusion, doubt, and finger-pointing. I'm 17, and I'm not even a very good hacker. Then he describes how he's attending the DEFCON in Las Vegas. He's been doing it since he was 11 years old. So he obviously, you know, by the standards of, of dopes like myself who know how to run a computer, but I couldn't hack anything. Um, he's probably pretty good, but... I can't hack into my own bank yeah, that account. Stri- that strikes me as a guy who's, you know, Q school trying to qualify for the golf pro tour saying, you know, I'm not that good at golf. There's a lot of better people than me, but he's right. way better than anybody but, that you'll but meet. But in a world where there are several hundred guys who are on the big tour trying to hack into the including, computers of the world. Including Russians. Right. Let's not get hung up on that. Uh, well, I have a good conceptual understanding of how cyberspace and the Internet work. I've only taken a single Python programming class in middle school. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so he describes the voting machine village at DEFCON, the aforementioned competition where attendees tackled vulnerabilities in state voting machines and databases, raised plenty of eyebrows among election boards and voting machine manufacturers alike. It's a hard pill to swallow for the public, too. No one wants to believe that after waiting, well, essentially that the vote could be altered or tossed out. Um, or we could just do paper ballots and count them and nobody could hack that at all. The replica state election uh, websites used in this year's competition were built on my school uh, database management system that stores data in simple tables containing columns and rows. By inputting a command into the search bar to see all of the website's tables, I could then see all of its data, including vote tallies, candidate names, and tables of basic website functions. Once someone has that kind of access, they can do plenty of damage. Um... Then they they changed a bunch of names of candidates or even their parties or inflated vote tallies, et cetera, et cetera. And then he says, after doing something as relatively tame from a computer science perspective as messing around with a few numbers, I want to see how much damage I could do without the competition's instructions or staff assistance. First, I wrote down the IP address of the server hosting the competition. No different than the first step a foreign agent would take. Then I accessed the website from a secure Wi-Fi spot and Googled a list of commands, etc., etc. The whole thing from search to shutdown took me less than five minutes. Oh, my God. And that was outside the competition. He just thought, you know what? I got a 20-minute break. I wonder if I could. And he did. Now, granted, that's not exactly a real-world replica, but that ought to be enough to know. Yeah. We need to be crazy extra cautious, like use paper ballots. We've now entered Final Thoughts with your host, Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. And that's soothing. Here's your host, Joe Getty. Ah. Let's begin uh, Final Thoughts now with Final Thought from uh, Positive Sean. Sean? Yeah, the barrier to entry for, for plebs like me to get into the investing game has been lowered. There's these new apps that you can do. So now I'm I'm getting into the stock market, baby. Step one, invest. Step two, I don't know. Step three, yachts, baby. Wow. <laughs> Buy low, sell high. <laughs> Marshall Phillips, your final thought. Yeah, positive, Sean, the master of digital coinage. How's that going for you, uh, my We friend? don't talk about that. All right. <laughs> it Michael, happens. Michelangelo, do you have a final thought? I do. I wanted to see Tom Petty as a kid, but my mom and dad would only take me to concerts where there was no marijuana smoking. I saw Neil Sedaka three times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just Jack, what's your final thought for us? I can't figure out if it's a good thing or a bad thing that the uh, shooting at that uh, gamer thing... Uh, is not getting that much attention. I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's not getting attention because I do think the attention is causing more of these shootings. Yeah. On the other hand, is it not getting attention because we're all just kind of numb to it? And like, what are you going to say when we move on with our lives? Speaking for myself, I have nothing new to offer. Right, right. It's a tragedy, and my heart goes out to the victims and their families. 
Stop shooting people because you're angry. Everybody's angry. I'm angry. Uh, my final thought is having spent the weekend with my mom and dad over the weekend, a, a lot of you have been dealing with this for a long time, the elder care situation and and how the wonderful advances in medical science have yielded longer and longer lifespans, but that's yielded more and more expense yeah. and complications than the rest. I know Marsh knows exactly what I'm talking about, and it's a, it's a hell of a challenging thing. And uh, one I think a lot of would like, a lot of us would like to pretend isn't happening, yeah. but it is. And it's going to happen more and more. I, I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. I'll try to say something ridiculous before the end of the show. Sorry to be so serious. Uh, so many people to thank so little time. Email us mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. I'm wearing a tiny shirt. That's ridiculous. It's not comfy looking. No, no, nor sexy. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get Get. Yeah, we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Then the show's over. What? Bye-bye. One time they asked me to go down the slide, and I'm like, I'm not going down your f- slide. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.